This message was recorded during a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Appreciate that. And uh, I am going to talk about a few examples from my own life today that were, uh, I, I tried to strive through uh, on my own and, and failed very bad at. Um, and it was, it was only the cross of Christ that helped me to get through that and some faithful men and, and women that I know. Uh, Jake's introduction was very kind and maybe a little inflated. So if you want to know a little bit more about me, Julie, my wife, is over here. Some of my friends, my daughters back here, you can ask them. They'll give you a little bit better picture of what things look like behind the scenes. Um, uh, like Jake said, I'm Slade. Um, Jeff gave a great introduction last week for himself saying that, you know, he, he was a little tired from coming in and so that if he said anything that was just a little bit goofy, it was because of that. I don't have any convenient excuses like that for you. So if I mess anything up, it's because Jeff's an airline pilot, all right? <laughs> we're just going to, we're going to run with that and, and that's what it's going to be. But uh, let me pray for us and then we'll start talking about the cross of Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning, for the opportunity to gather together, for the opportunity to look at what your word has to say about our own thorns in our life as we respond to different situations. Thank you, Lord, for providing us with a guide that is just plain as the text in front of us. We, we are so grateful for that, Father. Thank you for taking our sins and putting them on your son and giving us his righteousness. We're so grateful for that sacrifice, Father, and help us to ever appreciate that more and more. And Lord, I just thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So, um, I wanted to start with, with a quick recap of kind of what these guys went over. Uh, PowerPoint's a crutch for me, so I'm, I'm not as comfortable in front of people as the pastors. Uh, this is like my Linus's security blanket, my, my, my laser pointer. And so whenever, if I don't like, you know, I might point it at you. It's on Jacob now, and so that's what I use it for. So the first thing, uh, Jake gave us a, a, an overview of different types of counseling, and, and there, there's, a, there's a few different types that are out there that we're going to look at. So secular counseling, this is a simplified view of these things, obviously. Uh, kind of asks, you know, what is it you want? What, what are you struggling with? And, and I think it does a great job of um, ob observation, you know, maybe saying, you know, it doesn't seem like you're really angry. It seems like maybe you're afraid. You know, I, I, think, I think it's very good at that. I think, I think where it kind of maybe misses the mark a little bit is, is in figuring out why is that happening or what to do about it in the end because all of that was founded on, you know, uh, Jung and Maslow and Freud. Um, you know, psychotherapy, I believe, from the Latin is soul healer, and I don't think they would think you have a soul. So that would be tough for them to heal something they don't believe exists. And so focusing in on yourself instead of, you know, what's going on outside or inside as affected by the gospel of the Lord. And then we have integrated counseling. And that's kind of, you know, what do you want God to do about, about your problem? And, um, and that'll be a, a mixed approach that will, that will use some uh, psychology and some scriptural reference. And then, you know, in biblical counseling is, you know, what does God want or expect of you? Or what does God have to say about your situation? And, and that is, is sufficient. So um, those, those, are, those are kind of the three main types of counseling. And then, and then Jake focused in on God is working to change us. And both Jake and Jeff focused in on Philippians 1.6. And I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work and you will bring it to completion. Um, Paul so sure about what's going on uh, that he wants to express that to the Philippians. And, and it's what a powerful verse to, to reassure them uh, of what's going on. Um, and then in, uh, in week two, um, 
Jeff went over heat and thorns. And anybody recalling what the, what the three major categories of heat were? With the world, our flesh, and the devil, right? Often just working in concert together. Um, some people uh, in, in modern churches even don't believe the devil is active. I do. I, I think it's very clear in Ephesians. He's the prince of the power of the air. Um, and, and if you are watching TV or media at all in today's society, I think it's very evident that what's put in front of us is not from the Lord. Uh, a lot of times and is indeed counter to him. And then, you know, the world latches on to that and then our flesh craves it and it makes things very difficult as the, the heat is applied to our lives. And then that heat will produce those thorns, uh, our thorns. Of course, I always want to address your thorns. Um, so when, 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 when you and I are talking or you're in relationship with somebody, it's so, isn't it so much better to be the gardener for that person and prune their thorns? Um, but that's the, the Lord's word is for us. Uh, the, the cross is for us. Um, this is from chapter four, by the way, in, um, I'm kind of loosely following it in real change. Uh, it is titled the cross in the, uh, in the newer graphic, uh, it, it is titled the gospel. And of course the cross without Christ's finished work is simply an instrument of death. But with what Christ has accomplished on the cross and, and his resurrection, we know it's an instrument of life for us. So that's, that's what we get from the cross. Um, and, and this is a, a great little graphic for looking at, at an analogy to your situation. Uh, Jeff was able to actually draw the picture I can't draw, so that's why I put this up here. Um, and and it's, it's a neat way of saying, you know, when, when something happens to me, what am I? Am I producing bad fruit or good fruit? And that is based on a bad root or a good root. And I so often respond with thorns towards other people. So that's our, our brief recap of the, the last two weeks. And I want to pick that up from there and go into it's, it's Jesus finished work that, that changes us. And I have so many temptations in that as I, as I meet with people or as I just exist in relationship with others. Uh, you know, I think it was, it was, uh, was it one of the trip brothers coming here in his book, what did you expect? You know, a sinner marries a sinner in a fallen world. And wow, you're surprised that there's conflict in, in your life. Uh, and that has to do with uh, all, all of our relationships, just dealing with sins in each other and what will that look like? And of course, like I said earlier, my temptation is always to focus, focus either on the heat, it's the situation that's the problem, that's what always has to change, or I need to fix uh, Jake. You know, it's, it's, it's not me that needs to change, it's, it's him. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to use anybody else, I'm just going to use you, because uh, it's a, I mean Jake Cronin, because he's not in here. Um, <clears throat> So I should have clarified that a little bit. And then, and then that temptation, as you deal with that, if I start to deal with it in, in my flesh or look at it according to the world and not look at it through the lens of the gospel, I'll start to develop resentment or bitterness. And, and, and almost 100% of the time, that will lead to one of those three areas that, that Jeff was talking about uh, of our thorns, which was, um, let me back up to that. You know, he, he, he talked about anger, uh, escapism, and anxiety. And, and he, he gave a, a, like a subtext to escapism, which I loved. Fits so well, and I called it diversions. Um, the diversions available 
to the generations today are innumerable. Uh, the, the ability to distract ourselves with a screen or with something that does not build us into the Lord or into other people is, is, is staggering. So as we look at those diversions, um, we, we can start thinking, you know, what are, what are these temptations that I'm faced with? And I start developing resentment. And St. Augustine said resentment is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Um, so often happens in our, in our relationships with others and, or, or maybe even our relationship with the Lord. We start thinking, you are not fair and you are not good. And that is just not true. And it develops that in us. And then we've taken that. And, I, and I've actually heard uh, Ju Julie many times as she's met with other people uh, adapting that. And uh, we heard it somewhere else. And she'll say, you know, bitterness is swallowing a poison pill and hoping the other person dies. And, and you see that. I see it so often in my life. I'm sure you've seen it in, in other people's lives as well. But moving forward, we know that, that, that change, change is very hard. And I have so many excuses for um, why I, I will sin the way that I will sin. And, you know, one of them would be that, you know, that's, that's just the way I am, you know. Uh, I, so that should be acceptable. Um, you know, that's how God made me. Um, I, I, I heard Mike one time in, in, I don't know if it was Relay or a Cornerstone U or, or somewhere, saying he, he was just dealing with this very common question from young people, and they were, their, their excuse was always, this is just how God made me, and, and I should be accepted for, for this. And, and Mike had this wonderful response, which was, God, made, I'm a sinner too. God, God made me a sinner as well. And, and there are things that I have to work on in my life, and it's only God's word that will guide and direct me in that. If I look to my flesh, or if I look to the world, I'm not going to find a, a solution to that. Um, and then... Um, you know, God knows my heart. Uh, if you haven't used that as your own excuse before, you've certainly heard it somewhere, I'm sure, at some point of, of an, another excuse of, of why the gospel isn't sufficient, why God's word isn't sufficient. Uh, Jeff told us last week that the worldly view of self, is, it's killing us. I mean, look at the, the mental health statistics in society continue to decline with more and more self-serving uh, self-sufficient based therapeutic type stuff, uh, society is just affirming sin and going off this cliff in, in mental health. And, and, and God does know my heart, you know, and that should actually push me back towards the word, right? Not, not okay, well, Jake, I'm, I'm sorry I was so rude to you and, and did that, but, but God knows my heart. And, and, and of course, he just ignored those words and hateful thoughts that I had toward you as I said them. Well, of course, that's not true. God sees all of that. And, and I have, um, you know, personally just used these so many times. And I'm going to give you three examples of where I was using these kinds of excuses sitting before faithful men uh, who so gently used God's word uh, to convict and correct me. And uh, one of those was sitting in, in counseling one time with my good friend Tom Webb. And, and he, he looked at me, and I don't know how many weeks I'd been sitting in his office at that point, and he said, look, I, I think you're sorry for what you did to this other person. But I don't think you're sorry for what you did to a holy God. And I had no idea what that meant. And then, of, of course, now we know, you know, worldly sorrow leads to death. And godly sorrow leads to repentance. God's word tells us that. 
That's his accomplished work on the cross. That is the gospel truth of, of that moment. And I just, I, it was foreign to me. I was almost 40 years old. I didn't, didn't understand, uh, you know, like I was like, and, and so uh, thankfully, you know, the Holy Spirit in that moment, I was like, I, I just, I don't even know what that means. I want to know more. What does that mean? What does that look like? And, and he helped me so much walking with me through scripture, showing me what it would look like to, to be convicted of sin because I sinned against the Lord, not just this other person, uh, because that's where sin uh, is the most damaging. And then a second time, uh, I was sitting in, in Jeff's office with him, and I remember we were, we were talking to some, some folks, and, and I thought I had this really good, witty idea, which is always, is now a red flag for me. Uh, at the time, I uh, thought it was, I was going to say something pretty, pretty great, and, and I used a, a really worldly moment that was hurting me in, in the midst of these other two people hurting. And, uh, and after that, I don't even know if you remember this, but uh, after that, I kind of asked him, you know, what did you think about that? And he said, oh, I didn't think that was particularly helpful. Kind of moved it off of, the, off of the gospel and moved it here. And, uh, and the old me would have been just so offended. And I was so grateful to receive that from him. But he's like, no, let's put our eyes back on scripture in that moment. And let's, let's keep our eyes on God's word and, and, and what he has done, not what's, not what's going on with you uh, in the midst of their struggle. Uh, and that was uh, very helpful for me. Um, I thank so much for that faithful counsel. And that's, I'm sure he can, if you want 10 more examples, Jeff and Jake would have them. Uh, anybody here who knows me would have them. And then the last one was, uh, you know, several years ago, a lot of you know, you know, my community group leader died. And he was my best friend. And I still miss him. But I moped around in this building. I think, I, I think uh, at one point, uh, I don't know, Julie was keeping track. She said, and she told one of the kids, your father doesn't go in the building without crying. And it had been three months. And finally, I was standing over there in that alcove and I was just moping, just not, had no hope, <clears throat> did not believe <clears throat> in, uh, wasn't believing that I was going to get to see Doug again, that we were going to be able to worship the Lord together in, through eternity and was just, you know, just depressed about it. And Bill asked me, hey, how you been doing? And I answered him honestly, and I'm just very, I'm so sad. And, just like, and he was very faithful to grab me by both my shoulders and gently tell me you're grieving like the world. That is not what Christ has called us to do. Doug is in heaven with his Savior. And Doug knew that at the end. Doug just raising his hands when he's so sick he could hardly move. And here I am, healthy, fine, claiming to believe in Christ's finished work and, and moping around the building. And those are just... Those are just a few examples of times in my life where faithful people have come alongside me, used God's word to, to co convict and correct me. And I am so grateful for that. If you don't have uh, friends like that uh, in, the, in the church right now, please find one. Um, there is no shortage of people here who would love to come alongside you in that and, and tell you of the great grace that's available through Christ's sacrifice. So... Um, and, and the, the change happens in us by, by the Lord winning our, our hearts. And I think one of the things you want to look at in that is kind of, you know, wh what is our identity in, in Christ? And you, you can see in the outline there, it'll be, you know, Colossians 3 will be the, um, the first example there. So let me see if I can find that here. Oh, turned right to it. How about that? 
All right, so I'm going to read, um, let, me, let me read the first 11 verses here, even though it's uh, through 17 would be like the entire thought. And this is called putting on the new self. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. So there, there, there's a more of a focus there in 12 through 17, which we'll talk about in a second, but our identity is that we've been raised. So if you're a believer You've been changed. You've been raised with Christ. You put to death the old self. You're going to work at putting to death the, your sins. Um, we're a new creation, but not a finished work, right? Sanctification is ongoing. God is using those moments in our life, the heat that's applied to us in different ways, and, and he wants that pro to produce good fruit. Uh, but it's not going to happen if we don't focus on what he has done focus on what we're trying to do, it just produces those other temptations of, well, I just need to fix this other person. I don't like to hold up a mirror and look at, look at it. I like, I like to hold up a megaphone and tell you what's wrong with you. you know, that's, it's much easier for me. So whatever the struggles are in my heart, it's Jesus that's the solution. He died in our place on the cross and rose from the dead for the forgiveness of our sins. And then, so talking about putting on right there at the beginning, I'll finish the, the section with 12 through 17 here on, on these, uh, these other things were to put on. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And which above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony and let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in you, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Thankfulness in your hearts. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Again, focusing on him, what he's done, what he's doing. So Colossians 3 tells me where to focus when I'm dealing with those, those, those thorns in my life. And, and if someone has come to you and wants help with the thorns in their life, the same focus is there. Not, not some maybe temporal thing that, that I've dealt with, some terrestrial wisdom that I may have. It's, it's what God has done. And then the big question comes in, you know, what do I need to be working on now? Uh, if you want to apply, if you want to teach the gospel to yourself daily, um, what is it you want to work on? Um, one of the things when I took my, my very first counseling class, and I don't know if CCEF does this too, um, you have to do what's called a personal improvement project. Do they ask you to do that? So that, what that is, 
is you, you go in there and, and, and um, CCF probably does it in a much better way. Uh, ACBC likes to fool you a little bit coming in. They say, we want you to pick a sin struggle that you have. What, what are you, what are you, what's something you need to improve in your life that you can apply scripture to? And, and so I had a topic came to mind right away based on what I've been going through in my life. And, you know, so your introductory paragraph is what are you struggling with in detail? Yeah, be, be detailed. And then what does God's word have to say about that sin struggle? And based on what God's word has to say, what do you want to do about it? And then who are you going to share this with to come alongside you to work with this? And then you get to find out that uh, other people in the class are going to read it and, and grade it. And so then you're like, maybe I should pick a different topic. And I'm <laughs> so sorry you had to read that about me. Uh, <clears throat> but super helpful exercise to go through and apply biblical counsel to yourself because that's what it's for. Um, and so if you were to ask yourself, you know, what is it I need to be working on now and put it in those categories of, you know, what is it very specifically that you need to be working on? What does God's word have to say about it? The scriptural research from that moment alone is priceless. Just going through God's word, just drawing you into his word. What does it have to say? And, and knowing that God loves you in spite of it. He doesn't want you to continue in it. That would be the sign of being unregenerate, you know, um, but, you know, just thinking that, oh, I'll just ask forgiveness later, uh, that, that's not, you're dealing with something else there. Now you want to come talk to somebody like, hey, I, I'm loving my sin. Not, not, not struggling as I'm loving my sin. Uh, and so what do you need to be working on now? You know, that, that's a good question. And then knowing that as you work through it, it's only uh, Jesus that, that changes us. So um, one of the things that... Um, I, I looked at through that was, you know, sometimes it's easy to, to focus on, on all the differences between us, but there's a lot in the gospel that unites us. Um, uh, well, I won't use that example right now, but it's, it's Jesus that changes us. And what will our response be to what Christ has done? And I would say, you know, the, the, the chapter in the book says, you know, it's repentance and faith would be your response to the gospel. So repentance, um, not meaning, again, it's not okay to go out and seek sin and then try to repent of it later. There's a difference between an honest struggle. You know, that's your sign of regeneration. I want to struggle against sin. Uh, Jeff explained that so well last week. We were not able to not sin before Christ. And now, with his help, we can struggle to not sin. So struggle to not sin. Not, not struggling to be free, but free to struggle against it, you know, um, and, and having a casual attitude toward it about committing a sin so that you can just repent of it. Again, that would be the sign of, of not being regenerate. Like it, why, why, do I, why do I love it so much? And I want to pursue it. And then I'll just, and then I'll just give some time to God later. Like that, that, that may be something you may really want to evaluate carefully. And then looking at, at the definition of repentance brings uh, a couple of things. So most commonly defined as turning away or fleeing from sin and self, putting off things. And that is, is correct. Um, but, it, but it involves a, a different component as well. What you have to put on, turning wholly towards God. What is his will in this situation as he's revealed it in scripture? Not, not my fickle heart that is, that's so earthly, but what does God's word have to say about it? What did Christ die for? They, they wrote it all down for us. We don't have to go figure it out. It's all here. And what is it that I, that I need to put on? And, and the great example that we have of that, I think, is, is between um, Nathan and David. 
So I'm going to look at Second um, Samuel 12. So I'm sure most of you are familiar with this story where um, Nathan comes and confronts David, right? Nathan's a prophet, and the Lord told him, go, go confront the, the king of Israel with, your, with his sin, punishable by death. Nathan's like, no problem. I'll go do it. Um, and I think about me having to do that, like, yeah, I might have called in sick that day, you know? And he tells him, he tells David the story of the, this poor farmer that had raised this, this baby lamb, and he loved this lamb so much. And then along comes this rich guy, and he's like, That's, I'm taking your lamb. And, and David's enraged, right? Well, that, that guy should die. And Nathan says, well, that's you. You're, you're that man. That, that's who you are. You are the person that did that. And I'll focus here in verse 9. So this is Second Samuel uh, 12, 9. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in his sight? You have struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and have taken, and have taken his wife to be your wife and have him killed him with the sword of the Ammonites. Um, it's pretty heavy stuff, you know. What, what are you going to do about that, David? And David could have responded similarly to how he responded when he saw Bathsheba. Well, I'm going to kill you too. And nobody's going to know about this. But he didn't. And it was one of the things so beautiful about David. He goes over and, and he writes uh, Psalm 51. And uh, I, I am going to read uh, most of it here. So, so bear with me and, and we'll break it off up into the, the putting off and the, the putting on here. But David realizes, you know, so, so kind of the Lord to convict him of this sin. So kind of him to realize he, that Nathan was this messenger. And he says, have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity, cleanse me from my sin, put these things off of me, please God. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in my sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. And of course he did also sin against Uriah and Bathsheba. He's not saying that those people aren't wounded and that he doesn't need to make amends there, but it's against the Lord first. And then he more. He's like, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore me to the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. And then he starts putting on, these are the things I will do. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. O God of O God of my salvation and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise for you will not delight in sacrifice or I will give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. He's realizing those things don't, those outward ritualistic things, those don't, those aren't going to help here. He needs to be changed. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do good design in your pleasure. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in right sacrifices, in burnt offerings, and whole burnt offerings. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. 
So beautiful example of David being confronted and realizing it was his own thorns that needed changed. It wasn't some, he couldn't blame anybody else. No one else could take the blame for this. And it was only the Lord that was going to provide that for him. So putting off those behaviors he had, turning wholly towards God, putting that on for himself, and then becoming this great leader. And, and it's G, as Jesus changes us, the, the other response to that would be, would be faith. And we know from, from Hebrews 11, you know, uh, faith, you know, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Not worldly hope, which is kind of, you, you look at worldly hope and it's kind of based on, man, I hope something random happens tomorrow that would be less random. But this assurance of, of the joy that is coming, and that is what will effectively deal with the thorns in our life, the heat in our lives, will only be the, the hope that the Lord has given us. So, you know, not rooted in selfishness or, or this temporal joy or something brief. Uh, I'm sure several of you in here have, have dealt with things like that. I certainly have where I thought my hope would be found in, in some trivial terrestrial, you know, I mean, the, the dumb stuff I have bought in the past that I thought would make me full of joy uh, and I'll probably do the same thing tomorrow. So that's, I'm not hinting that I'm about to buy something, but it, maybe, you know, I just wanted there to be a lot of witnesses when I said it. Um, not rooted in that. Uh, this is the definition out of the book, Real Change. I thought this was a great definition. It's on page 30 in there. Faith is about believing in the forgiveness of sins because of the cross of Christ and trusting that in Christ, the many promises of God hold me in relationship with God despite my sins. That's a beautiful definition of, of hope and what faith should look like. I want to move forward in that. I want to cling to that every day. I'm not going to find happiness in anything outside of that. You know, d does that mean we can't enjoy some of the common grace that the Lord has given us in the world? Of course not. He's a wonderful Christian conscience he's given us to enjoy different things and, and Christian liberties that we have. But those aren't the cross of Christ. Those aren't his finished work on, on the cross. Those aren't the gospel. Um, so uh, grateful for those things. And then just real briefly, let me give you a practical a couple of examples of, of what this looks like. So um, in um, Luke, let me see if I can find that here. So in Luke 15, we have uh, the parable of the prodigal son, right? And, and we see this, this young man that... Uh, didn't want his father's wisdom. Didn't want the gifts his father had to offer. He wanted, uh, I want my share of my inheritance now. And off he goes, right? Uh, squandered his wealth. I'm not sure exactly what the time frame was there. And then immediately, you know, he's eaten with the pigs. Realizes, perhaps I've made a mistake, right? So uh, again, the Lord's so kind to use some, some earthly example there of perhaps you've made a mistake here. You know, and he realizes that as he is sharing a meal with some pigs, returns, repents in humility to his father, confesses his sin to his father. I've sinned against you. I should not have done that. Would you forgive me? Uh, it's a great example of, of a way to apply this. He's, his, he realized the problem was not his dad's rules, how he had to grow up or what his dad required of him. It was his attitude towards that that needed to change. And, and he received immediate forgiveness from his father. Father withheld nothing. Um, what, what a great example that Christ tells us there in Luke 15. So that's 11 through 32. If 
if you want to read through that. And then um, an example between believers. Uh, so I'll give you an example, and then I'll give you kind of a, I don't want you to think that as I do this, there's a danger in, in these things, that sometimes you can be building a checklist for yourself, okay? But you'd be very careful to know that, that your heart must be in the right position for this, that you've got to be thinking of how David was repenting to the Lord and how the prodigal son returned to his father. And his father is the Lord there, not, it's an allegory. And, and so we, we have this, this beautiful teaching, but this is where our heart has to be oriented toward the Lord. I've sinned against you, Lord. But let's say you did have something, a sin you needed to confess to somebody. And uh, I have great experience in this. Uh, in fact, far more than I would like to admit. But I'm going to give you um, so these, these five things that, that I've had to do over and over again that I probably should practice more often. But if you wanted to confess your sin to the Lord or to someone else, I think it would start with, say, confessing your sin. So, so state your sin. What is it? And be as specific as possible. Not, hey, you know, Jake, I, I stole something from you the other day. No, I, I stole $8.50 from you. And, and there's no qualifier for that, right? But I think you're kind of weird, so I had the right to that. That would disqualify that. I'm, not, I'm no longer confessing that to him. I say, hey, I did, I did wrong by you. And this is what that wrong was. Um, and then the, the reason I'm confessing that to you is I think that would make it where it would be very hard for you to trust me. And, and it dishonors the Lord. I mean, that's my understanding. I'm stating now my understanding of how did this affect our relationship? What, what is that? Why is that not good? You know, the, the Lord requires me to not do that. Don't steal from people. I should not do that. And not only because the laws of our land say that, because the Lord says it's wrong. And then asking that other person, is there anything now that you know that, or maybe you knew it anyway and you were just being kind, is there anything that you would want to add to that or clarify in that situation? That's a tough moment there. Um, and again, I've done this hundreds of times at one point for months on end with one person. Uh, it's very uncomfortable, but also very freeing to go through this. And then if, if Jake doesn't have anything to add, hey, I'm committing myself to honor the Lord. I don't want to be a thief. I don't want to be a liar. I want you to be able to trust me. I want to be able to labor together in the gospel for the glory of God. And, and that's the putting on. So put off by stating the sin, putting on by stating what I'm going to do. And then if that person wanted to extend forgiveness to you, there, there's, there's about four things. If you want to extend, you know, forgiveness to somebody, some stuff you may want to keep in mind if you're going to say, I forgive you to someone. And, and the scriptural example we read earlier from, from uh, Paul's words, you know, if, if the Lord forgave you, so let's forgive others. You know, I, I'm not going to dwell on this incident. Okay, you've asked me for forgiveness, and I've said yes. Now, you, forgiving and forgetting, not possible for the human mind. We're, we're going to remember. Um, but, but I'm not going to dwell on it. I, I promise I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to bring it up again and use it against you. I'm, I'm committing myself to not bring it up. That's hard when someone has wronged you. And, and like Jeff told us last week, you know, there are things, if it's offended the Lord, we should be offended. But now this person has asked for forgiveness and the Lord would give us that forgiveness and not hold it against us then. So we need to do that. Um, I'm not going to talk to others about this incident. And of, of course, if it's going to glorify the Lord in that situation and you've agreed with that person, hey, if you need to use that as an example in the future of me being a screw up and not honoring, feel free, you know, 
but, but not, in, not in a gossipy fashion. Gossip is talking about someone else's sin when they're not around. So we, just, we don't want to do that. Um, so you say, I, I won't bring this up. I won't talk to others about this incident. And then I won't let this stand between us or hinder our personal relationship. So I'm not going to avoid you now. I'm not going to go out of my way to, to get away from you. And that's just a, a worldly kind of application of, uh, of these scriptural truths that we're seeing here. And again, the danger in that is making it a checklist. Well, I went through these five things. You have to forgive me. Do your four things. And then you did your four things, and then we're fine. And, and if your heart isn't changed and you're not changed, don't expect good fruit from that. I would not expect good fruit from that. And then lastly, I would say that the gospel is enough, okay? And I want to go through just three pieces of scripture real quick that I think are great examples that the gospel is enough to deal with the thorns in our lives. And if someone has, for some reason, come to you and asked for help with anything, the gospel is enough for them as well. So last week uh, during worship, uh, during the singing, I believe Zach read from Psalm 103, verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. I want to be like that. As I deal with you or the conflict between us, I want to be like that. And I want to be like that because of what Christ did for me and what Christ did for you. The Lord was pleased to die in our place. I want to be slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Second Corinthians 5.21, maybe one of my, my favorite verses in the New Testament, wrapping up this letter to the church at Corinth, which was messing some stuff up. What, he didn't want to leave them with some harsh rebuke. He wanted to leave them with this little piece of hope. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Um, and then uh, in, the, in the graphic, in the, in the three trees graphic, the, the living waters are represented by, by John 7:38. Whoever believes in me, as scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. That's what's producing that good fruit, right? So you have the Paul's example here, but that example in John. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of them will flow rivers of living water. And then, of course, we have, you know, Revelation 5. You can read that whole thing. Um, I'm not, I'm not going to read it now, but just that beautiful example of John witnessing the scene, of no one worthy to open the scroll, and he's heartbroken. And then one of the elders comes and says, no, 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 look over here. And I saw a lamb standing as if it was slain. That's Jesus. And he was worthy. And I began to weep. And then everybody began to sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. It's a beautiful picture of that Christ is enough. And he was having this, this moment where nothing's enough. Nobody can open the scroll. Nobody can bring this to completion. Oh, that's not true. It's been accomplished already. And you know that. You're here in exile thinking, who knows what's going on? But look, this, this is great. And then JV had several things last week that I thought were just wonderful. And, and a couple of quotes I took from that were, uh, you know, one day we won't have to wait because we'll be with our savior, savior. But until then we do, we have to wait. We have to wait in patience and we have the gospel of Christ to wait with us. And then uh, he, he gave just a beautiful, what is the counsel from the Psalms? Ask God that he would teach you his ways that he would lead you in his truth, then opens God, God's word by faith and pursue him. Seek God's truth. He loves to instruct sinners in the way. So that was a great wrap up from JV. I thought it was super cool. Uh, I'm going to finish this with, I'm going to show you just a brief clip 
um, from one of my favorite movies. Um, and it's got audio here. And I want you to remember that this is just a beautiful cinematic example of something that's going on. So if you haven't seen it or if you need to take off and you've already seen it, feel free. Um, it's about four minutes, five minutes long. Um, and just remember, there was probably a point in your life, there was in mine, when I was just captivated by the gospel and, and the cross of Christ. And then it kind of faded away. And now I'm more focused on how maybe you're bugging me. And instead of looking at me, I'm looking at you. And I'm not looking at the cross of Christ. And I think this is a great cinematic example of a true moment um, uh, this, of this atheistic, award-winning, you know, Pulitzer Prize-winning uh, investigative reporter that decided to write an article to prove that Jesus was not real. Uh, that, that the Gospels can't be trusted, that the Bible is a fallacy. And, and this was a moment where, where um, well, you, you'll see. Uh, we may, may need to turn that light off. But Facing conflict with somebody, the score's not going to swell. There's not going to be a cutscene to your wife praying the words of Jeremiah. But this will be available. The Gospel will be available. Jeff and Jake and the rest of the counseling team will be available. We would love to share with you the captivating gospel of Jesus Christ in that moment. So uh, it, it's not going to look like that, okay? It's going to be like, how can I be a faithful husband? How can I be a faithful follower of Christ? How can I pour myself into God's word as this situation demands it? Um, so that's what I have for you today. Let me pray for us. I know we're running up on time here, and, and we'll get back in there. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, for the gospel. And Father, let it captivate us like this, this wonderful example that we saw here. Help us, Lord, to be captivated by your word, what you've asked us to do. Help us to be that for other people when you've asked it, but help us, Lord, to apply it to ourselves first. Help me, Lord, to look at my thorns and to hold your word as the standard for that, not the world, not the flesh, but God, what is it you have required of me? Thank you, Father, for this guide that you've given us. Thank you, Father, for your son. And be with us today, Lord, as we go in and we sing praises to you and for what you have done. And help us, Lord, to apply the counsel from the Psalms to our lives. And we ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a Cornerstone U class given at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Cornerstone U exists to have our minds renewed by the Word of God, to see who God is, and to live in light of His Word and Gospel. To find out more about previous Cornerstone U classes, visit us on the web at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com forward slash cornerstone dash U.